Welcome to Radiant Church Podcast. We want Jesus to be the message in everything we do. We are those who look to him. Now, here's David Perkins. Father, we love you, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, that we get to be your church. And God, we would rather be following Jesus than anything else. God, we are so grateful that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for us and to provide life unlimited, life everlasting, eternal life for us now and forever. And so we ask that the things of God would come alive in our heart. We pray, Holy Spirit, would you do a work inside of us and do not something that man can do, but do something that only God can do. God, open up our hearts. Give us revelation. God, inspire us. Do something new and afresh in each person today. God, let this be a day where you you do something that we're all week long talking about the activity of God. And so we are truly hungry for you, really desperate for the things of God. We love you. We honor you. And everybody said, amen. Acts 2.46, let's start with the scripture. It says, every day. And since Isaiah is guiding you repeating things, I'll do that. Say every day. Every day they continue to meet together. There's our series title. In the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the big idea here is that you've got the church and the church is just getting started. And so they're gathering together in the temple courts. And so, you know, the priests would be in the Holy of Holies and be in the temple, but outside the temple courts, you've got people gathering together, connecting, worshiping God, big group. And then in this text here, as we read in Acts 2 about the early church, you've got them not just gathering in the temple, but also gathering in homes, connecting in homes, breaking bread, eating together, connecting together in houses, in homes. And so that's really what we're, what we're trying to do. We're really focused on, hey, we gather together on Sundays, and this is the one day of the week that we all gather together. We unite together. Jesus is the center. We worship together. We sit in a row. But the goal is is that we would continue to connect, have relationship, and that you wouldn't come here and not know anybody, that you would over time, and it takes time, but over time develop friendships, comrades, relationships, peers, people that are committed to the same core ideas that you're committed to and and that you would develop friendships along the way, that you would develop relationships along the way. And so the context in which we're committed to do that is this small group context. And for me, this is something that I've been committed to for a long time and, and been a part of many of them. And I just want to encourage you that I believe that in, the, in, in these smaller groups, in places, whether it's a living room or a classroom, and you're sitting and talking and discussing and listening, it's a place where you can really connect. So I, I was just yesterday emailing with a friend who, uh, for years, I, I, I worked with uh, young men and young women in their 20s, and, and I had a small group that would meet from 10 p.m. till 1 a.m. Those were the days that was pre-kids, uh, but 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., and we'd sit at a Denny's, and we'd meet for three hours every week, and, and I, I would just disciple and connect with these guys, and they talk about their journey and, you know, most of them in their early 20s are talking about their education and they're talking about who they're going to marry and they're talking about the challenging things that took place in their teen years and they're trying to, trying to re, regroup for their 20s and fix some of the decisions that they made that were poor decisions because we all know that the decisions that you make in your teens impact your 20s and the decisions you might make in your 20s impact your 30s and the decisions you make in your 30s impact your 40s and so you're building on the years. You're, you, 
how you respond in one decade is going to impact your future. And so I was working with these guys and I was just emailing with one of them yesterday as we were talking about where they're at in their journey. And I was thinking about just the beauty of the fact that there's these relationships that continue because when you sit in a circle and, and you open up and you're willing to kind of be connect, be friends, be, get close, then truth be told, that vulnerability is the beginning of really having great relationships. And in fact, I was in a small group when I was in college that I was in Norman, Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma, and, and this small group was all the way up in Edmond. It was almost an hour away, not quite an hour. And, and I would drive up there every single Thursday night, and that small group, all we did was, it was, there was 10 guys, it was 10 weeks long, and each week, one guy shared his story for an hour and a half. <laughs> and all we did was take turns opening up. And by the end of that, I just remember the closeness, the relationships that were thick, tears as we would, I mean, you take 90 minutes. You're talking, you know, college guys sharing their journey. And by the end, guys weeping, for, weeping and praying for each other. And, and there's that, that closeness. And I've just seen God do this time and time again as you're willing to take off the mask and open up. All of us get used to just kind of putting on a mask. It's kind of easy. It's kind of easy to just, over time, we don't realize that we do it, but, you know, it's easy to be applauded when it looks like you're doing well and you're not vulnerable, and sometimes there's a lot of pain that we possess because we've been vulnerable in the past, and we've opened up to friends in the past, and because we've opened up in the past, and then maybe the friendship or the relationship didn't turn out like we had hoped or expected, then over time, it's easy to seclude and stop being vulnerable, stop opening up. I know for me, when I was eight years old, I was uh, not your normal kid. My dad was my hero, and I, uh, I wanted to be just like my dad, and my dad was like, uh, you know, preaching machine and spent, I mean, the guy's crazy disciplined. And so when I was eight, well, when all the other kids, eight-year-old boys for Christmas were asking for basketballs and back then it was He-Man and, you know, that kind of stuff, I asked for a three-piece suit. That's true. And, uh, and I remember Christmas of eight years old, I, I remember getting a three-piece suit. And I was so excited about the three-piece suit. When I opened it on Christmas Day, my mom has this on VHS. For those of you who don't know what that is, don't worry about it. It's the old iPhone. But uh, my mom has on VHS on Christmas Day where I open up the three-piece suit and leave the room and walk back down where, I mean, I left my presence, left the family opening Christmas Day presents so I could walk back in the room with my three-piece, with a vest, pinstriped, blue, navy suit, like, what's up, eight years old, rocking it, right? And the reason why I loved it, why I loved it, why I liked it was because I had figured out in my church how to get people to, what's up, you're awesome, I figured it out. When I was eight years old, I would go sit on the front row, so just like if it was here, all those pews, it wasn't chairs, and there wasn't light. It was actually very different, but anyway. And, and I would sit on the front row, and, and in my church, I would sit there and not move. Like, I would try to, like, and it kind of tells you the kind of church it was, but I, I would try to not move at all. And what I found was if I was totally, totally attentive and not even, like, not even move an inch, man, People would come up to me afterwards, all the old people, which were probably like people in their 20s, but I thought they were old because they were grownups. And, 
They come up and they just be like, man, you're awesome. You're like listening to the sermon. And truth be told, I had no idea what my dad was talking about. Uh, but I would sit there like this. And everybody just, wow, that's awesome. That's amazing. I remember this one elder lady in our church, she came up and she handed me a dollar. And she said, I love how the way you listen to this sermon. I'm going to give you a dollar. And I thought, wow. Man, I gotta. I need a suit. Like I gotta. I gotta do this right. I can make some money doing this. You know, I'm the front row listener. I get money. I, I started picking up a dollar a week. That's a true story. And it didn't matter what was going on in the inside. It was just if I could show up in the three-piece pinstripe suit, looking good, smiling big, pretending to listen. Uh, I get some applause. Way to go. And I, I think on a lesser scale for many of us, it's easy for us to just over time, and we never plan to, it's not like we intended to, but, you know, we show up and, and it's easy to just kind of not, not be real, just kind of like go through the motions. And one of the things at Radiant Church that we're pretty radically committed to is, man, we want to do, do church well and we want to have, I mean, we want this to be a great environment to the best that we can. And so let's, let's go ahead and let's have some lights and let's, let's turn a middle school into a place that we all want to gather and let's, let's, let's do the pour over coffee and let's have some, some cool musicians that are singing Jesus songs and dress all uber cool, that kind of stuff's all fine. But man, at the core, we don't want it all for there to be over time, just kind of those fake not real, not open, just kind of putting on a mask, putting on your suit, just kind of doing your thing. The goal would be that there would be an environment, there would be a place that, man, we gather together and we worship Jesus and then we scatter and we're the people of God when we go out to our businesses and the marketplace. But then we also have some comrades. We also have some relationships where we're gathering together and we're connecting and those relationships can connect on lots of different things. It doesn't just have to be, let's talk about David's sermon on Sunday. Although those small groups are going to heaven for sure, guaranteed. It can be, it can, really the, the point is the relationship. The point is, is that in whatever we're doing, there's an opening up and I'm starting to kind of take off my mask and be real and develop friendship. And that's risky. That's hard. That's not easy. Because you've been burned before. It's like the guy who constantly was broken up with in high school. It's like, I'm done dating. They're all, all the women are mean. I know a guy like that. It's not me. Trust me. Just kidding. But <laughs> well, there's some truth to that. Anyway, so that's, I need to save that for a small group. Um, it's my confession. It's my pain coming out. There it is. Take off the mask. Anyway. But I think for all of us, we know what it's like to to share and open up and, and then know the pain of, of the relationship not going the way that you thought. So the temptation is then to think, okay, I'll stop. I'll just stop being vulnerable. I'll isolate. The problem with isolation is that you were made by God to connect in relationship. That's a part of what he made you for. And so as the church, we are Christ's body. And when you become isolated and disconnected, if you are no longer connected, then the lifeblood stops running through you. It's, if, if I were 10 years old and I was to, and this, this is a bad illustration, but I'm going to use it anyway, and I was with 
chop off my hand, all right, or just lose my hand at 10 years old and have it sit on the side. The rest of my body would continue to grow. That hand would stay small and eventually die, right, turn black. And many of us, we just get isolated and, and wither up. So the dream is, is even though it's hard and even though it, it, it takes trusting again and trust is spelled R-I-S-K, like got to risk again. The challenge is, is to say, okay, I'm not going to live isolated. I'm going to take the risk and I'm going to jump into relationship. I'm going to jump into a small group. I'm going to jump into, and it doesn't, it doesn't have to be our small group. I'm not, we're, we're just trying to provide structures so that the spiritual DNA, the things that God wants for the church can exist here, but it doesn't have to be something that we form. It can be something that is just, it's just you. It's a, it's a state of the heart that you're, you're committed to opening up somewhere. And that's our passion is that you would that you would connect somewhere. And so in the midst of our busy lives, our overcommitted schedules, living in a big city, that you wouldn't be lonely. Because it's amazing how many people live in the big city with a full schedule, always saying, how you doing? I'm awesome, keeping busy, got a lot going. And yet their inner disposition is, if they were vulnerable and honest, they'd say, but I'm lonely like crazy. I feel alone. So it's easy for us to live with these surfacey relationships instead of deep ones. And the challenge is, is to take a few, not everybody, but a few that say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to intentionally go deep. I'm going to intentionally have relationships, not just acquaintances, but authentic comrades that I do life with. And when I'm in that circle, when I'm doing life with those comrades, I hear better, I love more, I care more, I, I serve better, I am better when I'm connected like that. And I know that when I say that, there's some of you get excited and you're the extrovert that you're ready to risk again and it sounds awesome and man, we've been waiting for small groups and let's, let's, let's go. There's some of you that there's the, the tw little bit of pain and I've kind of been there before and so my, my prayer for us, and I'm going to read it out of Hebrews in a minute, is that we wouldn't stop, we wouldn't give up because it's right. We keep connecting, keep gathering with the saints, keep being vulnerable, and know that's part of the journey. And I look at Jesus, and I tweeted this this week because I was thinking about this, but I look at Jesus, and Jesus is making disciples, and he's got a Judas who he's investing in. And you talk about vulnerability. Jesus is sharing, I mean, God incarnate. And he is sharing the deep things of the kingdom. And he's entrusting the finances of his mission. And I mean, Judas, Judas was one of his boys. And even, even Jesus had someone who betrayed him. And I think as you make disciples or as you invest in relationships, it's not gonna go perfectly. And so punting on the whole thing, because, well, I had a bad experience once or twice or 10 times. It's not the way to go. And my prayer for you is that even, even though you've been betrayed, even though you've been hurt, you would get right with Jesus and get whole with Jesus. And in that wholeness with Jesus, that you'd be willing to risk again. And that you would be willing to say, all right, Jesus, you complete me. That's like the Jerry Maguire quote, you complete me. That's false, that's Hollywood theology. No person can complete you other than Christ. 
But this idea that says, I'm complete in you, and because I'm complete in you, I'm healthy enough to risk again. And I'm going to go after these relationships. And, and the truth be told is people with their own ability to make choices make choices all the time that don't always look like Jesus' choices. And so you're going to invest in some, and you're going to invest in some relationships, and people have the capacity, the potential at any moment to say, actually, the lust of the age looks really great, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do that. Actually, I really do want to become famous, and so popularity is more important to me than, than Christianity or following Jesus or even the things that you've shared with me or for whatever reason. And so actually Paul had it too, not just Jesus. Paul spoke of De- uh, Demas as a guy who left him because he loved the world. And so there's that, that ache in Paul. Undoubtedly, the ache in Jesus as these guys that they had invested in and loved left them. And I just want you to know that a part of the Jesus journey is in the midst of relationships that's going to happen. And so don't let that pain be the reason why you don't sit at Starbucks and you're the 38-year-old guy and you've got little kids and you've got a busy life and you've got a lot of money to make just to survive and and you're trying to keep the house working you're trying to keep the bills paid and the temptation is to say I'm just too busy I got too much and I want to encourage you that man there's definitely some things that you you might want to squeeze out of your life so that you can stay focused on your priorities but my prayer for you is that these relationships would be a priority that you wouldn't become isolated that you would get rid of something else so that you could make this a priority. And in my own journey, I, 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 I mean, this whole process of relationships and small groups has been a journey for, for most of my life. And, and sometimes it goes well. I was mentioning that group, that, that Denny's group. And man, one of those guys today is, he's a, he's a missionary to Nepal. He's an incredible Christ follower. He's got little kids that he's discipling that are his own kids as well as He's using bicycle as a means to, to help people get out of poverty in Nepal and then using that to start churches. And he's a dynamo for the kingdom. And man, it's like awesome. And another one that's my boy, that's, that's my friend that I love, that, that in my brain 10 years ago, this guy's like, this guy's like lighting it up. He's a, whatever he's doing for the kingdom. And today he's, he's not, he's disillusioned, hurt living in isolation, and, and I pray for him, and I love him, and I want to stay connected to him, but there's that, that, that sadness with that, but it's part of the journey, and so my prayer for you is that you would trust again. Look what the writer of Hebrews says. He says in Hebrews 10, 24, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up, meeting, there's our word again, together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day approaching and that big capital D day, that's the day that Jesus returns, as you see the day that Jesus is coming back. So we live with that eager expectation of his return. We don't give up meeting together. And I think the reason we would give up meeting together is something something hurt us. There was something broken. Something took place. But like, Renat, I love the... quote that Renata always says, my wife, she always says, whenever it seems like things get hard, she just smiles and goes, this ain't heaven. (laughs) You know, like the world's broken. Like 
Just because you got hurt, just because someone, yeah, that's the battle that we're in. And this ain't heaven yet. And one day, relationships, worship, people loving you, nobody hurting you, no more weeds. No, I mean, all of it. One day, it's going to be heaven. But right now, it's a battle. It's not heaven yet. And so we're in the midst of that. And my prayer is that you just wouldn't give up, that you would keep connecting. Take off the mask. Every time a, a sheep gets eaten by a wolf, it's when it's away from the flock. And the, we're, we're always tempted to just go, I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. It's the same story that the enemy puts in the mind of prodigal after prodigal after prodigal. Leave the house. Do your own thing. You're, and it's at the core, it's what the enemy did. It's what Satan did. When Satan goes, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm not going to be a worshiper. And then... Man, you just go right throughout the Bible and you find the people that end up messed up. They said, I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to just disconnect. My prayer is that you would go through the process of saying, okay, even though it's not perfect, I'm going to take off the mask, be vulnerable. I'm going to connect. And I would say it even being willing to not just trust again and not just kind of risk again, but even being willing to open up and confess where you're at again. Let's look at this in James 5. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So we go to God for forgiveness, but it's in confessing to each other that we ultimately become healed. And so a lot of times, we will easily confess it to God, but we're not about to go through the process of confessing and risking, maybe be betrayed by someone. But I wanna encourage you that there needs to be somebody that you're walking with, somebody that you're saying, okay, here's where I'm at. The truth is I got bad days and sometimes when I go to Radiant, man, I just wanna pour the pour of her coffee on the person next to me. I wanna kick puppies. I hate that person. I just... And somebody that you're just opening up with, like, here's where I'm really at. And I'm not saying it's everybody. That would make your life miserable. Don't do it with everybody, but somebody. So there's somebody that you're sharing your secrets with. You're only as sick as your secret. But a lot of times, if you'll take, all right, here's, what I'm, here's my secret, here's my pain, here's my mess, and there's somebody that you're confessing it to. There's somebody that is helping give you the word of God back to you. Then in the place of that relationship, you start to get better. You start to grow stronger. And just like the body all grows together, the, the life blood of Christ, the work of God, it's, it's flowing through your hands. It's, it's all working and you're growing like everybody else in the body. And you're not disconnected and isolating and, and withering. You and I know that we often, often, disconnect and become angry, hurt, bitter, and isolated. We see this all the time in ministry. A lot of times there's pastors that become a statistic, front page of the paper. And so I just want you to know as your pastor, I'm pretty radically committed to this. And this might sound extravagant, but I've got a group of seven pastors. And we, for the last three years, have been flying in together and spending two days just confessing our sin to each other. Like it's the most expensive accountability group in history, right? Well, not in history, but it's my most expensive accountability group. And I, I just, we just sit there for two days and 
we eat together and we pray for each other. And each one just takes a couple hours. Just says, here's where I'm at. And then we all fly back to our cities and do what God's called us to do. But I want you to see the intentionality of that because, man, I got four little kids and I got a, I got a church that I'm loving and it's, I got limited funds, but it's important to me. And my prayer is that it's important to you, that you'll have people, you have someone. Because there's kind of four aspects. You've got, you've got the arena. The, re, the, the arena is I know and you know. It's kind of what we have right here, right? Because just by kind of being in here, you can kind of look around and you can kind of see what people are like a little bit. So I can look at Isaiah and I can know, man, he's tall, he's cool, he's, he's southern. By the way, he was talking, he was, what's up, y'all? I'm just moving here. You know, he's got that. And I know some stuff about him. I can look at him. It's I know and he knows. He can look at me and, and he knows some things about me, right? Like caffeinated, not, not as tall, excited, different, but friends, I know you know. It's the arena, right? And then we have, this is what I'm talking about this morning, the mask. The mask is I know, but you don't know. And so it's I know things and there's, you can't tell, you don't know. You, you, don't, have a, you don't have a clue. And what I'm not saying is that you take the mask off in every environment. I'm just saying that there is some environment. There is some place where you're willing to say, okay, I know you don't know, but now you know. Pray for me. That's what it says right here in James. And you take off that mask because you've got, you've got the arena. I know you know. You've got the mask. I know you don't know. You've got the blind spot. You know, and I don't know, right? This is what is, happens all the time when you've got, when the preacher's got, you know, Something wrong going on up here and all y'all start laughing and I don't know and you know and it's awkward. That kind of thing. It's where you can see it, but I can't see it. That's a blind spot. And the last one is the potential. You don't know. I don't know. God knows. It's the potential. And what I'm talking about with mask is this idea. I know, but you don't know. That's your mask. The things that you know that nobody else knows. And that there's some environment where you're saying, but I want you to know. And I want you to pray for me. And you're talking about it in a safe environment. And I'm not saying, I'm not saying, like, there, this isn't, every small group isn't this. All right? Because some small groups, you're just getting to know each other and you're like, it's, it's not ready for this. What I'm saying is that there's a trajectory in your life where you're, you're about ready to open up. And in that place of that small group, you start to have these relationships. So I love, I love uh, this idea of taking off this mask, refusing to have a mask, all right? And then, and then finally, it's praying for each other. And in that place of praying for each other, which is the way James ends it here, where he says to pray for each other so that you can be healed. It's amazing how in that process of being willing to open up, confess, and then pray for one another that the healing process begins. And so this is why, like, we're, I mean, even on Wednesday nights, as we gather to pray every Wednesday night, Wednesday night we've got worship going the whole time, and it's how deep can we go, and it's the presence of God. And, but we always take time to pray for each other, and it's just that moment where, let me confess, let me just talk where I'm at, and, 
and the healing starts to begin. Because here's what you're doing. You're saying, God, we invite you into this process. We, we, we want you. And so we're, ra- we're really committed to this small group thing. That's why even with our students, even why, what do you guys do with students? You guys have, ever, do you guys do a big thing where you've got like jumping castles and pizza and popping balloons with your butts and chubby bunny for kids? No, we don't do that. <laughs> that's youth group of the 80s. Like, we're not doing that. That's, that's what you and I did, right? Here's what we're doing. We're, we're gathering kids together and they're worshiping and then they're, they're, there's a little bit of scripture and then they're breaking up into small groups. And my goal is that students that are 13 and 14 years old, they're getting used to connecting and having comrades that are helping them follow Jesus even as junior high and high school kids. It's our, it's our mission that there's somebody, someone that you're opening up with and that that secret, that secret that it's easy to live with, there's somebody that's saying, I'm with you. I'll pray for you. And I get it. I know. It's always the same response. But I've been there, done that. Someone hurt me. I got that. It's my story too. I, I, I got that. I got, I got not just people that I've discipled that let me down. I've got people that were discipling me that let me down. I've got it. I get it. But your response to that dictates your destiny. Will you be someone that says, I'm going to trust again. I'm going to step out, and this is the way that the body works. This is the way. This, this is part of it. And so I'm willing to step out and do relationship again. And my prayer for us as a church is that we step out, see God move. And even in that precious commodity, and I get it, I know this is, the, the, for, for most people, your time is the most precious commodity that you possess. And you live a busy life and you've got a lot going on. And the idea of connecting for the purpose of Christian relationship sometimes can get booted all the way down the queue and it's not a high priority. But I want to encourage you as you take steps towards becoming all that God's called you to be, this needs to bump up and become one of your high priorities. Did we just, are we still there? This needs to become a high priority. So that you can step into that relationship and have people like the scripture right here that says, it's a place where you find courage. You gather together and you find courage there. And that's, that's my hope in the context of that small group that, that you'll find people that pray for you as they listen and they put courage back into you. And I'll just close with this. One of the things that I've found is that sometimes we think that that small group, that encouragement is just more like calming like, hey, let me, let me kind of calm you down. And someone says, I feel like there's this thing that God's called me to do. And, and, and sometimes that small group can be, can be a place where we just, in the, in the attempt to bring comfort, it's where we can calm each other down. Oh, yeah. Someone says, I got this vision to adopt. It's radical. It's bringing in someone into your home, costs money. And, oh, I got this vision to, I got this vision to go do this great thing for the kingdom or give sacrificially or I want to go start a church or, I want to go move to the mission field. The Holy Spirit will put these ideas in people and it's something that they just can't shake. And what I've found is a lot of times it's easy for us to, well, be rational, let's think through it. And sometimes the ungodly small group can actually be the place where they're talked out of being courageous for the things of God. It's not, it's not encalment, it's encouragement. The idea that you would place courage in people to go fulfill the things that God's called them to do. Everything, everything of the kingdom takes courage because you're constantly going against the culture. So my prayer is that we'd have little bands of radicals, little 
groups all over town, coffee shops, houses. And it's not just, it's not just, I love you. I, I want that. I want, we want the comfort part. But the, com the comfort pushes into actual courage so that, man, people are constantly moving and they're moving deeper and deeper and deeper into knowing God, getting rid of all the stuff of yesteryear that's keeping them shackled to sin, discovering what God's called to do with their life. Like you're, you're made unique. God's wired you and created you in a unique, special way to do something awesome for the kingdom and then setting them free. Go make a difference. Go figure out what God's called them to do and just go make it happen. We want to be a church that just empowers people with that unique DNA to go do it. So my hope is that these small groups, it's not a place where you feel stifled, not a place where you're just comforted, but that that's step one. And that man, by the conclusion of it, you just got courage to go do what God's called you to do. We bow your heads and let's pray together. Father, we just come before you and we are enthusiastically committed to being the church. We... <laughs> world's ways are broken. We want your ways, God. We don't want to go our direction. We don't want to do it the world's way. We want the Jesus way. God, we ask, Lord, for the, the strength and the courage to risk again, trust again, trust again, pray again, take off the masks. Now just between you and God, will you just take about 10 seconds? Just say to the Lord, this is where I need help, God. Just respond, just you and Jesus. Maybe you need to just ask God for the courage to connect, be vulnerable. Take off the mask. And maybe there's forgiveness that needs to take place because you're still hurt by that last guy. It's affecting who you are today. Maybe you're so, you're, you're, maybe you got so much to give. You've, you've been made whole by God and you just need the Lord to bring the people into your life that you're called to disciple to help take them closer to Jesus. Father, in Jesus' name, we as your church, we pray for your activity among us, God. We pray, Lord, that we would step out, risk again, trust again, take off the mask, not play games. We need you, God. We trust you. Have your way, we pray. In Jesus' name. And then just with your heads bowed, eyes closed. Today, if you're someone and you're like, I, I've been, I, I, I'm not doing the Jesus thing. I, I, and I, I, I've been living for me. And you just today, you go, I, I don't want to do this. I, I want to follow Jesus. I want to go that direction. We believe it's the most important thing. We want to give you the opportunity to make a decision. And man, I'm loving this. People are making choices every single week. Every single week. 
And, I, and you might be here today. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you've been coming for a while, but you're like, you know what? I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm making the choice. I'm going to follow Jesus. If that's you. I just want you to just, just repeat this prayer after me, just between you and God. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for sending your son to die for me. I don't want to live for me. My way is broken. Your way is perfect. I'm save me from my sin. I turn from the way I've been going, and I want to go your way. Fill me with your spirit. Change me. I want to live with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You made that decision to follow Jesus. I just want to encourage you just right there on that connection card. Just will you just mark that, and in just a moment, we're going to pass buckets. And I just want you to drop that in the bucket. We want to email you this week and get connected with you so that you can take the next steps to be a disciple of Jesus. We want to help you in your process. I want to invite uh, ushers to come forward. and I just want to encourage you. One of the things that I'm loving too is I'm just, I've started during the habit series, one of the habits that I've wanted to form for this year is to get the opportunity to pray for you. So on Monday mornings, I'm taking those connection cards and and you're writing your prayers. It's one of my joys right now just to sit with the Lord and just pray for the people in our church that it's amazing. For me, it's become this great blessing because I feel like I'm getting to know you and I'm getting to just stand in the gap on your behalf and pray for you. So on that connection card, maybe you're someone you're not comfortable coming up here to have people pray for you at the end. Maybe you're not able to make it on Wednesday nights, but you want someone to pray for you. I'd love to pray for you. And you can just put that prayer request on that connection card and drop it in the bucket. We'd love to pray for you. We also pray for those on Wednesday nights. Let's stand and pray together for the offering. Are you out there? All right. Jesus, we pray your blessing, your strength, your spirit, your life your joy in us. We want to be the people of God. No games, no masks. Man, help us to be the real deal, authentically yours. God, give us the strength. Help us to be a community that looks like Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship together. Thanks again for listening. To learn more and to join our Radiant family, check us out on social media and online at radiantchurchkc.com.